You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. So, hi everyone, and welcome back. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. In today's episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into the world of sports games with one of the industry's veterans. Oh, Mike, I actually forgot to ask you how you pronounce your surname. I'm going to go with Taramikin. Yes, no? That is, that is, that is the second most popular. Uh, well, actually, that is probably the most popular. The second most popular is Taramikin, which is how I pronounce Taramikin. it. Taramikin, Taramikin, Taramikin. Okay, Mike Taramikin, um, founder and CEO of what I'm going to say is Hype Games, and hope very, very much that it's not Hip Games. Right? Wrong? Oh, for two, but okay. <laughs> hip Games! Hip Games it is. Guys, normally I do this before we actually start recording. Uh, a studio that specializes in mobile sports games. So, Mike, maybe we like to start with having our guests um, tell us a little bit about yourselves. You were a, a VP at EA Sports before moving to Zynga to do the same. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the game industry um, and how you came to be so passionate about the sort of intersection between sports and media and gaming? Sure. Um, and thank you for having me. And by the way, your pronun- pronunciation of both my name and the company name are actually the more popular ones. But uh, not right. <laughs> well, whatever. We, I, I just go against the, the trend, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So I got into gaming, I think, the way most people do as, uh, as a way of avoiding real work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right out of college said, let's, you know, let's make games because the other alternative involves putting on suits and you know, listening to people and, you know, and being responsible and stuff like that. And so I started a company right out of college in the early 90s, um, which is sounding longer and longer away, mm-hmm. uh, the more I say it, with, uh, you know, with a friend of mine from school. And, uh, you know, we said, let's do this for a little while and eventually uh, have to go get real jobs. And then that, that lasted 12 years. Mm-hmm. There's a company called Hypnotics. We were based in New York City first and eventually New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in 2005, Hypnotics got acquired by EA, and we moved the entire team down to Orlando, Florida, from you know the north, from New York area to, to Florida, which is, I've learned is a migration that many people do. Uh, mm-hmm. It's usually later in life. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so we moved uh, we, we moved the company here and went from building you know, kind of like offbeat sports games like Outlaw Golf and a game called Deer Avenger where the deer hunts people um, to working on the Tiger Woods PGA Tour franchise for eight years, which, you know, which, um, you know, which I did when I was at EA. So, you know, I mean, that, that's that's kind of how I got into it was mm-hmm. uh, figured let's uh, let's do this for a little while, have some fun and then eventually go get a real job. And then it sort of turned into one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and tell us about Hip Games um, based on the is it sort of like a nostalgia for the for the original first company or no? Just absolutely. It is. You know that that's uh, we couldn't figure out what's called a company. And we had this uh, habit when we were at uh, at hypnotics where we would call all of our all of our tools and all of our technology we would just say what it does and put the word hip in front of it um you know so hip animation hip particles hip hip audio and stuff like that and we're like well i guess we can just say well it's we're going to want to make games let's just stick a hip in front of it Mm -hmm. so nice you know and like everything else you know we'll change it later yes Uh, when we get the real jobs Right, right. Or, you know, when we get tired, we'll, we'll do it. And then eventually it just becomes that. But mm-hmm. which, which, you know, I, I, ironically, 
for all the time that, that we did, uh, that we were running hypnotics, it was H-Y-P-N-O-T-I-X and everybody thought it was just hypnotics and that we sold concert tickets. So we have this history of, of mis, you know, of, of having hard to pronounce uh, names. I feel like I would have pronounced that correctly if given the chance, um, but I can't. Well, it was, it was the 90s. You stuck an X at the end of something. It yes. just made it cooler, you know? Yes, so. yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so tell us, tell us a little bit about it. Um, what are you guys focused on and, and what you're most excited about? Yeah, um, you know, for, for the most part, you know, it's always been, you know, for us, it's always been kind of this passion for, for sports games. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really not so much a passion for sports games as it is for sports gamers. Okay. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating market because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of gaming is about fantasy and about creating worlds that don't really exist and, you know, and, and, and kind of uh, interacting with them. But I think in sports, it's really about uh, connecting with somebody's pre-existing passion for something in mm -hmm. the real world and giving them, um, you know, another way to express it and another way to kind of interact with, uh, you know, with people and places that, that they follow in real life. So in a way we kind of ride along mm -hmm. with somebody's kind of existing, um, you know, interest in something, uh, as opposed to just trying to convince them to go, you know, um, kind of live in a, in a virtual world that we've created. Mm -hmm. And so, it has its challenges, but it also has incredible opportunities. And so, you know, for for us, um, after eight years at EA, after a couple of years at Zynga, and then a company called FanDuel, which is also, um, you know, kind of in the sports category, but more more based on um, on uh, you know sports betting and stuff like that. What you know, what we realized is that there's this incredible, um, you know, I'll, I'll call it opportunity. Um, mm -hmm kind of growing with with mobile devices which may sound a little cliche now but you know take it back a couple of years and there was still still a little bit of like you know a question about if, um, where things were going mm -hmm. for us the thing was always like look if you have a phone with you um a hundred percent of the time you know that is your entertainment device mm -hmm. that is your gaming platform that is your way to communicate and and i think um, and I'm skipping ahead to one of the questions that I mm -hmm. know you, you, you might ask. Good. You go, you go. <laughs> which is, you know, which is kind of like what, um, you know, where, where is everything going? Mm -hmm. and, and part of it for us was like, you know, the, the thing with gaming is it's always been about technology. It's always been about, um, you know, graphics and, you know, it's in the game and you're trying to recreate the, this whole world. And, and for us, probably... You know, about 10 years ago, we started to realize it's really gaming's about people mm -hmm. and it's really about the community and it's about the players. So we'll all kind of get together and interact and stuff like that. Um, and it used to be you would do it on your living room couch in front of a TV. You know, you would you would plug in and you'd kind of join this virtual world, whether it's Xbox, PlayStation, you know, Nintendo, where you would connect with gaming friends. Um, and then once once, you know, the, the mobile phones came came along, well, suddenly every that world is always with you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really hard to think about like, like I'm gonna be part of this community, if I'm gonna be part of this, you know, um, you know, group of players. So I'll kind of get together and compete and whatnot. That I'm only gonna do it when I'm home and when I have time to be in front of the TV. Uh, and so, you know, for for us, when we started Hip Games, it was really about how do we take everything we've learned from sports gaming in general, packaged goods and consoles. Um, and just have it always be with you and have it always be on. And how do we build kind of an infrastructure and a platform to have these competitive communities? 
mm -hmm. um, of just, you know, people all around the world that have a passion for, uh, you know, one sport or another that are always connected and, you know, are always basically one tap away from, you know, from competing. Were there challenges in kind of trying to take, trying to port sports, the sports games experience and build competitive communities from um, from sort of like PC and console onto mobile? Or was it actually kind of um, not freeing, right? But all of a sudden you could do so much more. Um, in many ways, there were not, there were not that many. Um, so, you know, things like graphics and things like just the actual experience, uh, you know, phones today or what consoles were maybe you know, 10 years ago, not even 10, probably even less. But the point is, you could, you, you know, the, we've kind of crossed, technologically, we've crossed over the line where people even notice mm -hmm. um, the, dif the differences between what your latest Xbox can do and what your latest iPhone can do. Um, so that part of it is actually a lot easier. Uh, the part that, that's more challenging is um, how do you design games and how do you design experiences that are made um, for like the, the mobile moments that you have. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's the old Starbucks line. It's like, how, how do you create a game that you could play with one hand in the time it takes you, you know, to, to for a red light to change? Mm -hmm. Which by the way, you should never, you should never, never play do. it. <laughs> right, you should never do that. But, <laughs> right. Well, we don't say that. We all know it. We just don't say it. Yeah. Uh, but the, um, but the idea is, you know, the, the, uh, I don't want to call it challenging part, but I think the part that you have to that you have to uh, um, deal with is taking those experiences, breaking them down to these bite-sized portions. It's mm -hmm. how do you create games that you can play in under a minute? You know, like where the experiences are a minute or less, where you can kind of just open up your phone, do it, you know, interact, and then put it back away without having to set aside half hour or ten minutes or, or whatnot. Um, and so that's been a bit of a challenge, but at the same time, it's actually the exciting part mm -hmm. is, you know, that that's the difference because once you do that, um, you could just fit into more people's days. Mm -hmm. Um, and to and, more of people's days. Right, right, exactly. And so, and then it becomes, you know, and then just, just, you know, playing your game becomes part of everybody's, you know, um, you know, daily kind of activities. And as a result, what we've seen is. You know, when we launched our golf game, Ultimate Golf, in uh, March of 2020, odd timing, but, um, you know, like literally as lockdowns were, were happening, um, the, you know, we, we, we would, we started growing up, uh, we started building up this user base, which to this day, there are, you know, um, an, an incredible amount of, of players that we have now that have been playing since the day we launched and have never missed a day. Mm. Um, and we credit a lot of that for the way the game is really designed, which is, you know, if you have five minutes, you check in and you play. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's, that's the difference, you know, really between a console game and a mobile game is mobile games are really designed for these bite-sized portions. You end up spending probably the same amount of time per day, but you have, you have to break it up and the game has to be designed in such a way that someone could be in the middle of something and someone walks in the room and they have to be able to stop, deal with their real life, and then come back and pick up exactly where they left off. Are there other things that sort of um, a studio building mobile first sports games should keep in mind in terms of game design and development? Well, probably the stuff I just talked about. If I was, yeah. if I was wiser, I would have broken that up into two sections. <laughs> but uh, no, just, just, just that. It's, it's really kind of understanding that your games are supposed to fit into people's lives. They're not supposed to stop their lives to, uh, you know, to make time for you 
you're supposed to fit into those into those little cracks we have you know every day between you know between things that we do what about business model um how well do sports games sort of lend themselves to um free to play uh, the free to play model well if you ask me i say they're perfect um because you know again you know the, the the hardest thing with mobile is just sort of the nature of how um you know how fragile audiences can be because you know the device that was with you everything on it is free um and so the you know if, if you kind of deal with i guess modern society which tends to be you know t- tends to not have a long attention span mm-hmm. um you know uh, one of the biggest challenges you always have is boredom like with games you know somebody plays a game for a little while like this is fun okay now something new comes along and i'm going to go play that um I think one of the unique opportunities about sports games is again, that it's really kind of uh, piggybacking on an existing passion that somebody has. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know, I've been playing golf all my life, but I'm over it. Um, or, you know, I've been following, uh, you know, the NFL my whole life and I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've, I've lost interest. I'm now gonna, you know, um, I'm now into, you know, uh, whatever sci-fi fantasy. Um, and so what that allows us to do is because the real world of sports continues to kind of move on, um, we're able to kind of piggyback on that as well. We're always able to be timely. We're always able to be relevant. Um, and in mobile, it's really important to keep people's attention. So by us being able to draft on somebody's existing passion, as well as what's happening in the real world, it really gives us a leg up on we don't have to keep creating our worlds. We can just keep you know, representing the real world and, and always being timely and always being, um, you know, and always being new and, and relevant. So let's talk a little bit about that sort of relationship um, with the real world um, and, and with sports franchises, right? Um, you know, especially in America. Um, my husband is actually American, so I come across this quite a lot. Um, I mean, we have football, real football, not soccer. Um, but, but, you know, America really has a very rich kind of sports culture. Um, how do you sort of make sure, how, what goes into building a relationship with massive, you know, sports franchises? Um, how did, what does that kind of give you and, and how can it make things sometimes, I guess, also more difficult? Um, and how do you sort of make sure that you're, on the one hand, giving sort of fans an experience that feels consistent with what they get sort of in the real world, but also new enough that they'd want to engage with it on their phone versus, you know, on the TV or in an actual game? That's a really good question. Um, and I think it'll probably take up the rest of the time that we have. So I'll try to do the abridged version of it. Wild. <laughs> wild. Um, well, no, I mean, I look, I think when it comes to licenses or IP or any of that uh, in sports, at the end of the day, the key is authenticity. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it, like again, if, if people are trying to, you know, um, connect with an existing passion, it's like there's a certain element of that, you know, of that uh, sport or whatnot that has to be there in order for it to feel genuine and authentic. Um, and but we kind of call it that, right? We leave it at like authenticity. It has mm-hmm. to be authentic. It's not that it has to be licensed. Um, and you know you ask kind of like like a couple of facets there i'm gonna try to remember them uh, in order but please correct me if i if i, if I drift yeah correct me if i drift <laughs> but the um you know i think the you know the the important part whenever you're you're dealing with a license or, or or an ip is it's a partner 
right? It's somebody that's gone out and created something that has, you know, value um, that you're now joining forces, you know, to, to deliver a, a, another product to, to, you know, gamers. Um, and so they're partners, right? They're not selling you a good, they're, you're in business together. And mm -hmm. so from a financial perspective, it has to be equitable for both sides. So you have to get something out of it. They have to get something out of it too. Um, and a lot of times, you know, both parties are always going to be looking out for their interests. So whenever you go into one of these deals, you have to understand you can't just do what you want because you're paying them. Mm -hmm. And likewise, they can't make you do what you want, what they want, just because it's their brain. Mm -hmm. and, and the more, you know, the more you kind of understand what it is that the licensor is looking from this relationship, besides the financial part, usually, you know, it's, uh, it's access to new users, it's technology. I mean, there's, you know, everybody's got their own kind of agendas besides the commercial uh, terms of something of, of a deal. Um, so just understanding that makes it a lot easier to kind of work together, you know, to, to kind of say like, what do you, you know, how do we fit into your business? How do we fit into like your other partners relationships? How do we kind of carve out, um, uh, sort of a space there where we bring so much value that we continue to work together and goes, you know, the business grows from there. Um, that's obviously when you're dealing with, um, well, I would, I should say that varies depending on mm -hmm. the nature of the license. In some cases, you have these kind of gatekeeper licenses like the NFL, which your husband is right to consider uh, real football. But <laughs> but this is going so well, so we'll just leave it. We'll leave it. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, I guess I should have asked is what team does he support? The that's Steelers. This is not, not a good time to be a Steeler, a Steeler fan right now. It's, it's not. I'm a Giants fan. I honestly don't have too many problems with Steeler fans, so that's okay. <laughs> a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, a different uh, Pennsylvania team, maybe. Mm -hmm. no, no. <laughs> maybe I'd be on your side. But, uh, but anyway, I forgot where I was. Um, you know, the, the idea is like when you deal with kind of these, um, when you deal with these gatekeeper kind of licenses where you, you know, if you want to do authentic football, you know, working with the NFL is just really important. Um, likewise with, uh, you know, with the NBA, the MLB, um, FIFA, see, shout out to you. Um, so it's, it's really important that you kind of understand that you're part of like this uh, universe of partners. Mm -hmm. um, but sports really isn't just that, especially on mobile. You know, there's, there's obviously very successful golf games and pool games and tennis games and fishing games and all these other kind of non, um, you know, uh, kind, of, kind of traditionally more lifestyle sports than, than a particular league. Mm -hmm. And there it's different. There, I think when we add authenticity, it's really about how do we connect with um, you know, with, with various brands within the sport that lend that mm -hmm. authenticity, like, you know, I, we make a golf game. So our, our relationships with individual golf courses are important. Mm -hmm. Our relationships with individual golfers for different things are important. It's a lot more decentralized mm -hmm. when you get into some of these other sports and there the relate, it's, it's a slightly different dynamic because there, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like this universe of partners that you work with that collectively really add that 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 level of realism and authenticity to the product, but it's not any one particular. And so now, on the one hand, you have to deal with a lot more uh, with a lot more partners, but it's it's a relatively more level playing field mm -hmm. because it tends to be you know uh, instead of David and Goliath, it's like David and other Davids. So, and we're all kind of in it together, which mm -hmm. you know which which we've been successful doing, and I think even. You know, even at EA with, with, with Tiger Woods, it was, it was also uh, very important for us to have these individual relationships as opposed to like this one central uh, license.
So talking about sort of also games that aren't sort of so IAP dependent, um, what are some of the elements that you implement to attract players and keep them engaged? Um, how do you get someone to sort of beyond the fact that they might already be sort of passionate about a given sport um, in their real lives? How do you attract and keep players um, in a sports game that isn't about sort of like, you know, enjoying the NFL on your phone and not just on your TV? Sheesh. Well, I mean, that changes daily. Um, you know, we, uh, if you want to get into like the nature of, you know, user acquisition, you know, you know, mobile user acquisition, that's a completely, but I'll speak higher level. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we try to make games that are easy to play and difficult to master, right? We try to make games where people can jump in, um, and kind of, uh, get familiar with how to play very quickly, start to feel confident and good. And then we put them, uh, we match them up with someone else who's in what was that? Then it becomes really hard. Well, no, 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 no. Not that it becomes hard, but it's like, you know, what we do is um, we, we take people, we teach them how to play the game, they get good at it, and then we pair them up with somebody who's just as good at it. Mm. And it's just the competition between. Like, we let human nature drive, basically. Mm. The sooner we pair you up with someone that you're competing against, that's at a, that's at a, at the right at the right kind of challenge level to you the more likely you are to be successful um, and then not successful and then want to get better and then kind of get get into this uh, cycle as we do in real life. You know, I mean, it's like the first time I hit a golf ball, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so hard, <laughs> you know? And then 20 years later, I still suck at it. Mm -hmm. um, so, but but I feel like I'm making progress. But so so it's kind of getting, because, you know, the thing with sports is um, it kind of, it you know, it scratches that competitive itch that everybody has. Mm -hmm. And I think for for game developers, sports game developers, it's about you know how do we get people um, to understand how to play, and then and then let them out into kind of like the world with other competitors, and let let them. The challenge is trying to is to try and beat somebody else. You know, um, we always say it's not about it's not about good and like who's good and who's bad. It's about who's good and who's great, mm -hmm. right? It's like we make the games easy for everybody, but then talent and skill always plays a part in it. And so the sooner we kind of, we get them into these uh, competitive leagues and into, you know, forming teams and groups, and we call them country clubs and in, in, in ultimate golf, the sooner we get people congregating and competing with others. Um, that's how, it, that's how it, it um, that's how we keep them. Mm -hmm. um, because, because I don't think anybody sticks around because of us. I think people stick around in our games because of the other people that are playing. Mm -hmm. And so we, we always have to empower that social interaction. Mm -hmm. um, because the best clue is people, right? I mean, it's just, it's why you don't want to switch. Uh, it's why you don't want to move when you get a better job in a different town. It's because you don't want to leave people, right. right? It's it's never about anything other than, well, at least that's always the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. um, restaurants too, I think. But... Uh, <laughs> so, um, but and like looking ahead, right? Um, because I think you talked a little bit about how, you know, for, for a while or in some senses games games has been gaming has been about technology but also about people going back now to technology when you look at the future of sports games what are some of the what do you sort of it doesn't have to be a prediction right but what do you think um how do you think sports games are going to evolve and is new tech going to play a part in that sure well we're we're a independent mobile game developer we are all about prediction you know we are all about like because because i mean i think one of a you know, one of uh, our strengths is just agility, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's being able to kind of see where things are going and just go do it. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, you know, I, 
I love working at bigger companies. I love working, um, you know, with all the resources and, and capabilities that you have. But one of the things you rarely have is the ability to just, you know, kind of see something and go after it. There's a lot more thoughtfulness and process involved. Whereas, um, you know, the more independent you are, the more you just kind of um, do. You know, it can really, yeah, can really jump on stuff. So that does put us in the prediction business. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we we don't have the uh, the luxury of being wrong too often. So, um, where do we see things going? That is a great question. Um, you know, I, I say in many ways, a lot has been accomplished since 2007 when the iPhone, you know, came out, mm-hmm. um, and the, the power of a mobile phone is, you know, is, is more than a console was, at, you know, um, a few years ago. Um, the, the connectivity mm-hmm. is really is, is really there to the level where people don't even think about gaming on their phones anymore. Believe it or not, there was a point where people were like, why would I play games on my phone? Um, and it wasn't, I want to say it wasn't that long ago, but when I do the math, it really was kind of long <laughs> ago, but uh, if I'm honest. But, um, but where I see things going is really just when, when you look at like emerging technologies, like just location-based gaming, mm-hmm. you know, games that are aware of where you are and what's going on, things that... The more you can connect to real life, the better, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that you know we can have games that respond to like what's happening in real in the real world of sports in real time is great. The fact that a game knows that your um, uh, your mobile game mm-hmm. knows that you are at a stadium or you are near a stadium or what town you're in and what team is popular. The more that it can just sort of personalize and and, and really kind of uh, personalize the experience and connect you to the real world, we think the better. Obviously, metaverse, uh, VR and AR, all that plays part of it. But I think that's kind of like this broader, um, it's kind of like this broader theme about Mm -hmm. just, at least for sports, about connecting you to the real world um, and real people, and then letting competition be, you know, be the reason reason why you're there. So rather than like, hey, we're gonna matchmake you with somebody in the world that's like you is we're going to match make you with somebody that's near you mm-hmm. or somebody that's in the same stadium as you. Cause you're both at a game mm-hmm. together just, and, and I'm not saying that whether those are good or bad ideas, what I'm saying is that the technology is there to do it. And so mm-hmm. now we can figure out how to, how to come up with good ideas, you know, based on, based on that, uh, based, based on the, yeah, based on the capabilities that I think are, are really becoming, um, I want to say common, common, at least in that um, a lot of people are, are looking at it and a lot of people are kind of like in that space, which means consumers are now aware of it, too. So now when you tell them, you know, when you start talking about location, well, that, that's a very technical term, right? But um, yeah, but I think when you start talking about like virtual worlds and things like that, I mean, most people know what you're talking about. Mm hmm. And now you can feel free to do a shameless plug. What are the um, sort of most exciting sports games projects um, that you can sort of think of today? Can can be a self plug, doesn't have to be. You know what's funny is um, that's the question I had the hardest time answering mm-hmm. because you know because a lot of it is when you're you know, when, when you're in our position and we're always trying to like innovate, we're always trying to get, you know, we always get the most excited about the things that we're doing, right? Because we're doing them because they're the things we're the most excited about. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a little chicken and egg uh, situation there. Like, I think, I think broadly, I love how um, sports and technology just continue to, to like merge at, at breakneck speed. Right? Mm-hmm. I think everything is being gamified, which is great when you're a game company. Um, 
you know, so, so high level, I love seeing um, just the, the amount of technology that is coming into sports because that gives us opportunities to kind of connect. Um, some, so there's a lot of like individual kind of initiatives there that, that we see happening, uh, certainly in simulation, certainly in VR, uh, things that allow that, that really kind of put you in, in the experience at that moment. You know, what the timeline for those is, I don't know. Um, I am, I'm also really, um, really excited about how, you know, digital media in general and gaming are coming together. One of the things that, that we do a lot um, in our games and in Ultimate Golf is, you know, we do, you know, we almost create like these interactive podcasts within our game where we bring in somebody notable, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a PGA Tour golfer, whether it's, you know, Alice Cooper or, uh, you know, or, or uh, you know, musicians that, that are known for playing golf. And we sit down with them while they play our game. Mm -hmm. um, and and stream that live into the actual game so people can play along in real time while they're there. We used to do that a lot on kind of consoles, um, but now it's with you all the time. So, you know, we, we've done some events where we have worked with, with Alice Cooper, uh, Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden, you're British, so you might know. Um, so, uh, and, you know, as well as, uh, you know, Lee Westwood and, and others where we, we've, we, have, we create these special events within our game mm -hmm. where we bring in, um, notable people and sometimes just members of our own community and then we create these kind of you know live events that people show up for and then not only listen and watch but also play along and try to beat them and that that's the that's where i think the convergence is really happening um there's uh you know there there's there's a show that we love called the match where um you know where they, they take famous people and they have them just play golf together um so started with tiger woods and and uh and Phil Mickelson, and then it's gone to like NFL quarterbacks and stuff like that. And we love this this kind of idea of kind of you know um, kind of riding along while while people play. Except you know we have the ability to actually have somebody literally there playing as well. So we mm -hmm. take this notion to how do we bring interesting people into our game and let the entire community play along with them. Um, by the way, that's great for engagement. It also is good business um, mm -hmm. because there's a whole lot of ways that you can you know that that. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of business models you can build around that idea. Um, and I mentioned before, we love uh, this idea of location-based game and games that know where you are and are able to bring the game to you. Um, we have a project with uh, Niantic, which builds, you know, Pokemon Go, you might've heard of it. Mm -hmm. uh, little game, little kids game, people play. Little, yeah. Actually, that sounded, uh, <laughs> See, it's, it's actually very... It's actually a very big game. Yeah, my, mm -hmm. my sarcasm there sounded uh, odd. No, no, I um, think, well, I'm British. We're very big on the sarcasm, so I, I picked it up. There, there you go. Um, so we're, we're actually working with them on, a, on an NBA product, uh, which, which kind of takes this whole idea of, of you know, t taking, um, taking gameplay out into the real world mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to just, just sort of bringing the game to you. We, we kind of go out into the real world and bring the game to you, depending on where you are. So it's that kind of technology. It's really taking that same competitive, um, you know, that, that same competitive layer and just bringing it to people in, in, in multiple ways, whether it's, you know, you bring a celebrity into the game and everybody's competitive and just tries to beat that celebrity, whether you go out into the real world and we bring the gameplay based on where you are. Um, those are the things we're, we're excited about. And, and, you know, those are the things that we're doing, but there's other companies that are doing similar stuff, you know, and we always root for others to, to, to be successful and find things. 
because that those are that's always great inspiration, right? You want people to succeed and uncover new opportunities mm-hmm. because again, if agility is our thing, um, being able to find opportunities, you know, being able to find opportunities regardless of who's kind of uncovering them mm-hmm. is always great because then we get excited about that and then we kind of you know jump in and see what can we do there. Um, and you know, it's what we do is very competitive, but it's also very collaborative because mm-hmm. when someone is successful, you can't help but be curious about like, what can you do with that idea? Mm-hmm. So the hardest question to answer, but lots to say, I loved it all. Um, <laughs> was, there, was, was there a point there? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, so I, yeah, and that, that does bring us to time. Um, but Mike, thank you very, very much for being on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I love an opportunity to spotlight my deep, deep knowledge of American sports. Um, and thank you, as always, to everyone else for listening. Excellent. Uh, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. Well, thank, you for having, thank you for having me. <laughs>